T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hello, St. Louis and surrounding areas. You are listening to another edition of At Your Service here on Camo X. Howdy, hello, welcome. My name is Dave Simons. By day, I am a certified financial planner and head of the Simons and Cordes Wealth Management Group located within the friendly confines of UBS Financial Services. Well, that's the job that, you know, pays the bills, puts food on the table, all that good stuff. But At night, I occasionally get let out for good behavior. Take the ankle bracelet off and get to come down here, downtown, into the KMOX studio. Yeah, the ankle bracelet. It's not what you think. It's my wife puts that on me, so she always has to, you know, know where I am. Uh, Oh, she's texting me right now. Dear, make sure you are sitting up straight in the KMOX chair. Okay, all right, got that. I'm doing that. Welcome. So good to talk to you on this Tuesday night, Thanksgiving week. How about that? And I'm going to be a little bit busy, not just um, at my usual day job during the week, but two times this week on X. Obviously, right now, as I have the microphone until 10 p.m. here. But I'll be back on Friday in a different time for me. When I do fill in, it's usually at your service, this 8 to 10 slot here. But on Friday, I'll take the uh, last two hours of the Dave Glover show. So I will be on from 4 to 6 on Black Friday. Ooh. I'll have to regale you with my stories about getting up at 3.30 in the morning to go stand in line at the nearest Walmart. No, that's not me. I will not be doing that. But many of you perhaps will. And it will beg the question, what recession? Hold that thought, by the way. In the second hour, I will get to some of that discussion of what I actually do for a living, and we'll dig into that. But we've got a lot more to talk about here, and I just I want to have kind of fun in this first hour a little bit. And think about Thanksgiving. I This is a really fun time of year for me. I love the holidays. I don't like, I'm, I'm not a big fan of winter at all, so I have to sort of ignore that part of it when the weather turns I know some of you are really weird. You like this really cold stuff. I don't. I would prefer weather-wise we go from like October, skip for a while, we get right into March and April. Uh, But no one asked me, so we can't really do that. But the holiday season itself, I really love. I I, I do. And I've got great memories. Think about Thanksgiving as a kid. How was it for you? 
Did you always have the big Thanksgiving with a lot of family came over to your house? Did you travel to another relative's house? Was that a tradition? Maybe you're part of a family that didn't really have a tradition. Here's what ours was. We traveled always to the same spot in the 60s through the mid-70s before uh, we all got a little bit older and moved on ourselves. But I had my family here in St. Louis, my siblings, my parents. And on my mom's side, we had another family in north-central Kansas and then another part of her family down in Texas. So we all had these extended families that we did our own thing for Christmas. So we decided, or they decided, the adults did, that, hey, for this side of the family, we'll kind of all get together for Thanksgiving. That's what we'll do. And the center point would be that family out there in Kansas. So sure enough, it was every Wednesday, so basically tomorrow, the day before Thanksgiving, the Simons family from St. Louis, the three siblings, the parents, would get it into that uh, late 60s Chevy Bel Air, and away we'd go to a small town called Minneapolis, Kansas. Yeah, Minneapolis, not Minnesota, Kansas. And if you're trying to picture, like, where in the world would that town be? If you're on Highway 70 and you're going down through Kansas and you go through Kansas City, of course, and Lawrence, and then you get out to Salina, take a right. And you go, I don't know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, if I remember right, and you'll hit this little small town, Minneapolis. Aren't you glad you know that? But, man, great memories of that. Um, And all kinds of family members. And what was great for me is I, you had the different generations. You had, you know, the grandparents and the parents and then the kids, me. I was the oldest of that third level of family. Of all the little nieces, nephews, cousins, little Dave here, was the oldest. My mom was the teenage mom. I told that dramatic story a while ago. So I always kind of felt like I was the big big boy there. I was kind of the big deal of that group. And I got to play in the touch football with the adults. That was kind of cool. One story, and, and, and I'll just share this one, that I remember of all those years. This will be a little TMI for you. But the people who hosted that had this newfangled contraption one year called a microwave. We didn't have a microwave at our house back here in St. Louis. I was fascinated by this thing. You could actually put in cheese, like on a cracker or a piece of bread, and watch it melt. As a kid, that was the coolest thing. You didn't care that the bread got all dry and kind of almost disintegrated. No, man, it was the melted cheese. You didn't have to grill it and wait to do that. And I didn't need a parent to do it. I could just put cheese on a piece of Wonder Bread. And who cared about the taste of the bread? It was the melted cheese. So what I discovered one year is Philadelphia cream cheese. I don't know, was I eight, nine years old? I don't even remember. And I went through, why no parent was even watching me, my own parents. But I went through an entire block of Philadelphia cream cheese on I don't know how many pieces of bread as a snack one afternoon. And here I am all these years later. And I can eat Philadelphia cream cheese, but it takes a little effort. 
because let me just say all those years ago, 50 some years ago, 50 plus years ago, that particular incident, here's the TMI part. So I'll be careful. Let's just say, I don't care how old you are and how resilient you are. The body is not meant to devour an entire block of cream cheese without bad things happening to you. So that was one particular incident in Minneapolis, Kansas, that my family still occasionally reminds me of. No more trips to Minneapolis, though. And I lament that. I really do. I um, I get very melancholy when I think about those wonderful times back then. And as we all get older now that I'm in my own, in my 60s, and, you know, you go through these generations, we all start to understand our mortality a little bit better as we get older. And back then, when we would celebrate Thanksgiving in Minneapolis, Kansas, I was the young generation. I still had great grandparents around back then. And then you'd have grandparents and then your parents. And then as time goes on, your generation kind of moves up a step as the top generation is gone. And then you wake up one day and you're like, um, I'm now that oldest generation. What the heck happened? Now, I'm fortunate. I've got good genetics in my family. My parents are still around, and my wife's parents are still around, in, uh, all in their 80s. We're both very fortunate that way. Even in my 40s, do you realize all of my grandparents were still alive? My mom's parents, my dad's parents. I still have all of my grandparents alive in my 40s. Uh, I know that's very unique. So I've been given a gift. I admit it. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But I've been get, uh, given a genetic gift, so I uh, I really make sure to honor that as much as I can. So um, there's my Thanksgiving story. How about that? Uh, folks, I, when I come back, I'm going to tell a, a little bit of a story as as we do talk about memories and being close to family and the things that are important to us. And I'm not going back 50-plus years and telling the story of Thanksgiving. Instead, I'm going to go back just 16 years, back to December of 2016, and tell the story of a particular day and time that still resonates with my family and still has an impact. And, in fact, we experienced something that um, has had an impact around the world are you intrigued a little bit? Is that what we call the tease to get you to come back? I, I, I wish you will. Uh, so you are listening to At Your Service. My name is Dave Simons, and we shall return. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The 
Welcome back to At Your Service. It's 819 in St. Louis. Dave Simon's filling in this evening on At Your Service. So it was almost uh, 16 years ago to the day. Um, Did I have hair back then? I think maybe I'd already shaved it by then, but I think it was close. Very close. But my wife and I, we were looking for a new church, and it was Christmas Eve of 2006. So we took the two little kiddos who aren't so little anymore, and we went to a church out in Chesterfield, back then known as Windsor Crossing. And um, I'll kind of get right to fast-forwarding now. Let me just say that it was one of those services where it was so moving for us and tears coming down your face. Have you ever had one of those experiences at church? Well, that was our first experience at this Windsor Crossing Church in Chesterfield. The reason I even tell you that story is it just so happened, as fate would would have it, it, that the lead pastor, Greg Holder, had been talking to the congregation in recent weeks about this new concept known as Advent Conspiracy, or AC. Now, I've never heard of it. Well, there's a reason. It's because it they just developed it. It was Greg and a couple of other his of his pastoral friends from outside of, of St. Louis had put this together. And fast forward to today, 16 years later, an Advent conspiracy, if you're not familiar with it, has gone global. And it's been a movement. And books have been written about it. You can even go on YouTube and put in Advent conspiracy and, and, and you'll see things all about it and what it is. And it's very important for this time of year because that's what it's all about. It gets back to the true meaning of Christmas. So you don't have to take my word for it. You can actually take the word of the person who was there from the very beginning, the aforementioned lead pastor at what we now call The Crossing. So Greg Holder on the Quiver River guest line, welcome and thanks for taking time out of your Thanksgiving week, Greg. Well, Dave, it's so good to be with you and uh, what a privilege. Thanks for inviting me. So I I do want to talk about how Advent Conspiracy was even germinated some 16 years ago. But but before we do that, can you explain to the folks out there who are not familiar with this concept of Advent Conspiracy, what what is it? Yeah. Well, first of all, how about we we just say this out loud? It's a scary term, right? I I remember even 16 years ago when we were talking about this, the whole idea of conspiracy was, ooh, should we use that word? And... I think it's only gotten more interesting in recent yes. years, but I would just say that I'm going to appeal to uh, to Webster on this because one of the definitions of the the verb conspire is is really it comes down to uh, acting in harmony towards a common end, and that's that's really what we're doing. We're acting in harmony together on something. And Dave, I will tell you, you know this, we are specifically pushing against some things that seem to squeeze us at this time of the year. Um, you know, this is this is one of those things where you mentioned these two other pastors. We were together at, at one point, and uh, this was after a Christmas season, and we were catching up with each other, and basically we're lamenting of how exhausted we were, how some of our folks would come to us after, you know, in January and say, hey, I think I missed it. I missed Christmas, and uh, I kept putting so much pressure on myself. You know, I needed to have the perfect gift. I needed to go to all the parties. We needed to have the perfect Christmas dinner. And it was just piling up. And then they would say at the end of that conversation, oh, yeah, and I'm more in debt because of all of it. And we looked at each other and said, there's got to be a way for us to lovingly invite our people 
to celebrate Christmas differently. So what we're conspiring against isn't Christmas at all. In fact, to the contrary, as you were mentioning, but it's really, can we resist some of the expectations that keep piling on top of us that I personally think rob us of the joy of this season? Yeah. So tell us, I mean, there's kind of a, there, there are principles involved here. And might I say, when, when you look at these principles, there's, there's a certain audacity to them. And, and I, okay. and I don't mean that in a, in the negative connotation that sometimes that that word projects, but the audacity is we are pushing back against something that we've grown up with, that there's this feeling, almost an obligation now, that we have to go out yeah. and rack up credit card debt to make sure that we are doing the right thing, in air quotes, and putting as many presents under the Christmas tree as we can. And as you mentioned, when you were talking about your other two pastor friends, to say, we somehow have missed the true meaning of Christmas, we're, we're exhausted, we're in debt. So there's an audacity to say, enough of that, we yeah. can still have a portion of that, but what I what I'd l- like for you to do is kind of dig into those principles, which sure. I, I think the worship fully and spend less. But I'll, I'll yeah. let you I'll let you describe that. Okay. Well, there are four tenets to this, and um, I'm a pastor, so I'm about to sound like a pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think that the first tenet is worship fully for us. At the heart of the Christmas story is the birth of Jesus, and so we go back to those Christmas narratives that you see in the Gospels, and there's such beauty there, there's such nuance there, and so much that applies to our lives today. So for us, we want to start there. Can we go back and say, hey, let's gather with a community of faith, let's gather with others, and let's let's consider really the story at the heart of all of this? And then that begins to inform the other tenets. So it's worship fully. The second one is spend less. You were talking about that just a second ago, Dave. There was an, I saw a headline last week that was saying, uh, spending will be down a little bit this year because of inflation, because of uh, economic uncertainty, literally around the world. Um, but the National Retail uh, Federation, I think this year has has projected that even then around the globe, we will spend almost a trillion, that's with a T, a trillion dollars this Christmas. Hmm. And so much of that is us then going into debt over that. And so we're just saying, can we spend less? Can we can we not can we not rack up credit card debt, which is not going to help anyone? And I'm I'm convinced that Jesus isn't wanting us to celebrate his birth by going into debt. Can we resist some of the messaging that we hear? When I see a a a, a car commercial where there are two big Christmas bows on his and her yes, SUVs. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I'm like, come on, and and those things trickle in in so many different ways. And so when we say spend less. We are not saying we are anti-gift giving. In fact, to the opposite, uh, at the core of the Christmas story is a gift given. So we're we're saying let's not define Christmas as a pile of presents three feet high around the tree. But we are not we're not going all scroogey on you and saying, okay, nobody give presents. Absolutely, we need to give gifts to one another. But let's be smart about we, what we do, um, and let's redefine what it means for us to to give to each other. I'll, I'll give you an example that came into my uh, awareness one day. We This is years before we started this, when we were on our way to a, 
a gathering, a party. And I remember stopping by a mall. You remember those? Uh-huh. And, and yeah. And we went in and bought a present because that's what you do. And we spent money and we gave this gift to this person because that's what you do. And I remember walking away from that going, there's no way they're going to do anything with this gift. <laughs> like one of the things I saw was that I, I want to say it was like, I don't know, upwards of $15 billion of gifts that we give each Christmas go unused. Like we don't even do anything with them. And so it becomes one of those things where we're, uh, we're giving gifts for the sake of saying that we gave a gift to someone. So let's spend less. But then the third one is let's give more, which sounds like I'm contradicting myself. But what we're talking about, as you know, is a kind of relational gift. At the heart of the Christian story is a relational gift. God gives his son. So when I say giving relationally, Dave, I mean we give gifts that celebrate and acknowledge the relationship. Now, I'll give you two of them real quickly that always come to mind. One of them is a story that I tell, oh, golly, I've been telling this story since we wrote the book. I remember um, I remember Mitch Albom. You remember Mitch Albom? Oh, of course, yeah. With you bet. When he, when he was asking about this in an interview and I told him this story, it just it stopped him. And so when a, when a young man, a 20-something uh, young man, gives his dad a bag of coffee beans, and you, know, you think, okay, dad likes coffee, but there was a note attached to this gift, and it said, dad, whenever you drink the coffee, whenever you grind these beans and have a, a few cups of coffee, you're only allowed to drink this coffee with me. And when we drink this coffee over the course of the next few weeks, however long it takes us, I want you to tell me some stories I haven't heard. I want you to tell me how you became the man that you became. But these coffee beans, these are for you and me. Mm-hmm. Now, you tell me what that meant to that, mm-hmm. to that father. I mean, you know, that wasn't a hugely expensive gift, but it was incredibly relational. When a uh, young woman who can't afford to give any kind of a gift gives to her nana, and I know this story really well, gives to her nana a mason jar full of construction paper that's been cut up. And you're like, well, what is that? There were 52 pieces of paper there. And in those pieces of paper were small stories and memories of this young woman and her Nana. And the the instructions were once a week, Nana, I want you to pull one of these stories out and remember how much you mean to me. And each one of those pieces of paper had a story. Hey, I remember when you used to walk me around the pond and we would feed ducks after my preschool. It was just those kinds of things that that elderly woman could hardly wait till every Monday morning to open this mason jar to receive that gift. There's so many different ways that we can give relationally that celebrate things. We can have dinner with each other. We can. Do, there's a variety of things we can do. And, and that so story, fully. I'm, I'm sorry, Greg, I was I was going to tell you that that story, which you have told on the mason jar. Yes, I have, I, I have used because of that. And let me just tell you. It doesn't cost anything but time, but time well spent, and you talk about tears of joy and and the relational part of that that has brought people together. It's amazing. I do need to take a break, but I want, if you would, to please stay with us through a a couple of minutes here and come back because there is a fourth tenant that kind of ties all of this together. So we are talking to the lead pastor at The Crossing here in St. Louis, Greg Holder, talking about this thing known as Advent Conspiracy. 
that was first put together about 16 years ago. And one of the things that I'll talk to Greg about, this global presence and connect the dots, dot, 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 dot. How can something like that that's germinated here mean clean water in Africa? Yeah, mind-blowing kind of thing. But stay with us and we'll dig into that more at your service after this. Welcome back, everybody. Dave Simons filling in tonight for At Your Service. It's 835 in St. Louis, and we go back to the Quiver River guest line, where our guest tonight, who has been kind enough to sit through the commercial break and come back and visit with us, talking about Advent Conspiracy. That's our lead pastor at The Crossing, Greg Holder. That is a multi-site, non-denominational church here in St. Louis. And as Greg was explaining this, the, the four tenets of this Advent conspiracy that Greg and two other pastors really helped design back in 2006, worship fully, spend less, give more. And then, Greg, tell us about the fourth. Love all, Dave. It's love all. And I think Christmas is a chance for us to move closer to those in crisis. And quite simply, what we're saying is with some of the money that we spend uh, and 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 then choose to to not then spend at Christmas, let's say buying Uncle Murray that sweater he was never going to wear mm-hmm. some of that money. What if we pulled it together? And for us, it's at our church. We've had small groups of people. I know offices that have done this. I know nonprofit organizations that have done this for profit organizations. But what if we pooled some of the money that we aren't spending on some of these gifts, and we give it to the what Jesus would call the least of these. And so you pick what that is. Um, Dave, I think it's important if people go to adventconspiracy.org, which is a great place to get this information, I want you to know you can't give a dime to this organization. You simply cannot give a dime. It's, there is no mechanism for you to do this. This is all open sourced. We're trying to get you and others to consider what this would mean at your church, at your office, on your team. But you decide then where that money goes. It can be a local organization that's doing good. It can be for us. We began to address the water crisis. You were mentioning that before the break. For us as a church, we began to say we're going to take our Christmas offerings every year and we're giving it away. We're giving it to an organization that we're partnering with to help solve the water crisis around the world. And for us, that's just, it's, it's imbued the whole thing with a, a layer of meaning that uh, is really fun. And I would say, as we've done this at our church, it's the kids who get this before their parents do. The parents are often worried about, uh-oh, what if we don't have that pile of presents so high? I, I know children that have said to their grandparents, we hear this every year, hey, I do really want that one gift. I'd love to have that for Christmas. But can we take the rest of that money and give it towards this water project in in Africa or this thing that is going on here or there? And the kids are getting this. And so for us, it is loving all means we're going to give money to those who uh, do not yet have clean water. And Greg, I think some of the people listening right now will hear what you've been talking about the last few minutes. Those who would call themselves non-believers. And so they, they they immediately kind of put up this wall. It's a churchy kind of thing. But these are some of the same people, though, that have no problem helping out at a soup line and, and really would buy into some of the tenants here 
of helping the least of these. Now, we know that Advent conspiracy, when it's all said and done, really wraps around the love of Jesus. But isn't it true that even those who do not go to church and would call themselves not really faithful, believing types can still get involved in something that has at these tenets Advent conspiracy, right? Yeah, I think so, Dave. And I think really for many people, if I was going to just full disclosure, I have found that some people actually begin a spiritual journey after they've experienced some of this. And you hmm. begin to get this sense of, oh, wow, I'm a, there's a, I'm a part of something that's bigger. And it it does. It helps each of us, no matter where you are. It helps us to focus at Christmas time. Uh, I know families that make a choice to say, this is what we're going to do as a family this year. And this is the nonprofit. This is the charity that will benefit from it. You know, here in the St. Louis area, we are blessed to be an incredibly generous community. Uh, you know, the studies show that again and again. And so it doesn't surprise me that this kind of idea resonates with people outside of the church. So your point is well taken. Absolutely. I uh, I do appreciate your time uh, tonight, Greg. And while I still can steal a few more minutes uh, from you, I do want to totally change gears. And this okay. is this has really been heavy on my heart as a, as a churchgoer. And Loving the fact that we are all back together in in a communal setting post-COVID. But I do know, and, and you know this better than anyone as a pastor, this is something that pastors around the country have really been struggling with, and that is people got very comfortable sitting in their living room, in their pajamas, watching online services, and now that they can go back, yeah, maybe once in a while, but I really kind of love the fact that I can just get my cup of coffee and sit in the living room and watch church. And there's something, there's no question about it, that you miss by actually physically taking a seat or sitting in the pew at church. So tell me a little bit, your side of the fence, has this been a struggle as you're talking to other pastors, and what can you do about it? Yeah, I think I think it is a struggle for many pastors. I, I'm going to go ahead and say I'm so grateful for our church and our folks and um, a renewed excitement that has happened uh, in our church. But I I know that for many it is a thing of of we don't know how we're going to come out of this post pandemic situation. And I would say, Dave, from the people that I've talked with, who watch trends and statistics and things like that, what we've experienced these last three years in some ways has accelerated the pace of some trends that were already occurring in some segments of society and age groups and denominations and churches. And so people began to form new habits. That's what you were describing. They were forming new habits. What I have found, and I would imagine that business people would would agree with me as well, um, arguing isn't going to be the way. Yeah, right. Um, and and kind of shaking your finger isn't going to be the way. What we've done, and and what I'm encouraging others to do is first of all focus on those people, those folks who are with you. Focus on those folks and. Uh, keep figuring out how to serve them and how to engage them and how to draw them into the mission of your church. We were just talking a second ago about this, the winsome nature of being a part of something that's bigger than you. I, I for one, believe that, you know, we were made to make a difference. I think it's it's baked into us. This is what we want to be, is we, we want to be for uh, something that leaves a legacy, for something that has a lasting history in this world. And so, 
I would encourage pastors to uh, to to lean into the folks that are with you and keep thinking, how can I help them to be more engaged with what we are doing in the community, with what we're doing for families, what we're doing for 20-somethings, what we're doing for, for children? You, know, you pick whatever the, the ministry is. But then what I will tell you, it always happens, and it, we see it happening, is that those folks who are engaged and who are maybe reignited going, wait, we're not finished yet. Those are some of the people who will will invite others back into an experience. I think we're all made for face-to-face experiences. You know this. We don't back away from our online experience, and we're blessed to have a great technical team and people that can serve folks in that way. But we know that we are made to see each other face to face. We're made to do this life together in person. And I feel like if we continue to engage our folks, they're going to be the ones that invite their neighbors and they'll invite their neighbors. And that's how this begins to to reignite on the back end of a historic time for us. And Dave, if I could loop it back, I really think that's the one thing that is the theme that even runs through um, AC, which is, I truly do believe, you've heard this before, God's not, God's not finished with us. I don't believe he's finished with, with me. I don't think he's finished with uh, his church. I don't think he's finished with St. Louis. And I don't think he's finished with this world. And when we can get back to a semblance of hope, now we're talking about something that I think we have all been desperate for these last almost three years. And I think that's a message that's worth telling again and again and again. That, to me, would be my quasi-short answer to your question. Man, I, I could hear you preach it all night. Can you stay until 10 o'clock and just take over? And just, <laughs> we're, we're just going to no, do church I'm right now. I'm going to leave it to the professionals now. I'm going <laughs> to okay. leave it to the professionals. Well, Greg Holder, lead pastor of The Crossing here in St. Louis, thank you so much for taking time out this evening, and I wish you and your family all the best on this Thanksgiving week. Well, Dave, thank you. And since I won't have a chance to tell your listeners this, but I wish them a great Thanksgiving and may they have a blessed Advent season. And um, just thank you for the opportunity to share some of this. All right. Thanks, Greg. Again, Greg Holder on the Quiver River guest line tonight. He is the lead pastor at The Crossing, which I said before is that non-denominational multi-site church here in St. Louis. For those of you who... um, Uh, have been in kind of, uh, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, the church world here in St. Louis. Perhaps you are familiar with it. Uh, And and Greg really has uh, made a name for himself in a very humble way. He is the most humble man I know. I mean, he he naturally is going to gain attention by being the lead pastor at such a large church for so long. He just celebrated 25 years there, but he always gives credit where credit is due, and that's something that I always appreciate uh, about him immensely. All right, we need to take a break here, and we'll change it up again on At Your Service and sort of go off in some different directions as we're trying to have fun here on this Tuesday night. Stay with us. It is 10 minutes to the top of the hour. That would be 8.50 here in St. Louis. Dave Simon's with you tonight, filling in for At Your Service. And I will be back on Friday. Uh, Yes, that's as in Black Friday for a couple of hours, 4 to 6 p.m. I don't know that I've ever filled in here on X at that particular time of the day. But uh, I guess Dave Glover will not be around. He and his sidekick. So um, uh, I will take the last couple of hours of that show and uh, look forward to it. 
I can't, I won't be able to give you any personal experience or anecdotes of what it's like to shop on Black Friday. I don't do that. Um, wouldn't do that. You couldn't pay me enough money to do that. I happen to work. My office is near a major strip center mall area. So from my window, I have seen when I get in early in the morning, I'm one of those early people and I will see the lines already out on, on outside of some of the stores. So, you know, there's a lot of talk about, are we, are we in a recession or are we going into a recession? And I do want to dig a little deeper into that and give you my professional opinion and judgment on that in the second hour. But Man, it's hard to come up with, to, to try to be convincing to say, well, we're in a recession right now. Really? Then then perhaps you've never really lived through a true recession. Have you flown lately? Have you stayed in hotels? Have you tried to get a reservation at a even a halfway decent restaurant on a Friday night? Have you gone to your local malls, those that still exist, or stores? I mean... The, the typical things that you see around a recession are not existing. Now, there there are some breaks in it there in terms of some of the economic foundations that we're seeing, and that will lead to the discussion um, that we'll have in the second hour. Somewhat related to that, there has been some concern that this whole crash that came just almost overnight with this FTX, this, uh, many of you, I think, are familiar with the story, the cryptocurrency exchange led by that mop-headed wonderkin 30-year-old guy, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, happened very, very quickly. And by the way, I have a a good friend. He's been a friend of mine for 40 years or so. We we were Mizzou buddies back in the day. And he's still a friend to this day. In fact, we've even got a professional relationship the last 20 years or so, but we've stayed in touch all these years. And um, He's knee-deep in this stuff, and I don't mean as an investor. I mean, I, I can't give anything away here other than to say he's behind the scenes. He's kind of learning where the bodies are in this, and that's all I'll say. I will not say in what capacity. He's certainly not going to tell me, even though I, I admit I did say, hey, you know, won't even give his name, but I say, um, you know, I'm hosting this show. I'm filling in at your service on KMOX. He does not live here in St. Louis, but he's very familiar with Camo X. And I said, I'm, I'm filling in on a Tuesday night. I mean, you could give me my 15 minutes of fame. You know stuff that's not public. I, I, of course you do. You're kind of behind the scenes. You're in the middle of investigating all this stuff. Come on, man. Come on the air. Tell us some stuff. It'll go viral. Hey, there was a show at Camo X in St. Louis, and what we learned about Sam Bankman-Fried and, and FTX, it was kind of crickets on the other end of the phone. And, of course, I was half-joking. Of course he's not. Um, and he probably will never tell me anything beyond public. I don't think he wants to go to jail. So that that's fascinating. But what I have, I've been in the business of managing money for nearly 30 years, all right? Um, 28 and a half, to be exact, started in May of 94. I should probably have a honorary psychology degree on my wall. Anybody in my profession who's been around for a while could say the same. You manage what we call and know as human beings. And all the wild intricacies that go with it, the fear, the greed, the emotions, it's funny watching and learning 
how we all treat money differently. Some will look at money and look away. It's like they're kryptonite. They they get scared of it. Oh, I don't want to think about it. Those kinds of people would don't even want to invest in anything that can go down. Back when the interest rates were zero, I don't care. I just want my quarter of 1% CD. I can't stand the thought of losing a dollar. And others give in to the greed portion of it. And they would bathe in Benjamins if they could. And they don't see the risk. And they take chances. And sometimes it works and many times it doesn't. And when it doesn't work, it can bring an, a personal empire down. And that's what we saw with this whole FTX fiasco. I am fascinated by it from a human perspective. I really am. And really smart, wealthy people who got sucked into this. For those of you who know Shark Tank, there's Kevin O'Leary, known as Mr. Wonderful. Apparently, he had a bunch of his money in there. In fact, not apparently, he, he said it, he admitted it. I don't know how, necessarily how much. Anthony Scaramucci, the, the mooch. He was on CNBC last week when this first was going, and usually he's a pretty upbeat guy, and it looked like he had that look like I, I've I lost my all my belongings in a house fire. I have nothing. I mean, he had that look of despondency and despair as he had money in there. The lack of transparency should have scared a lot of these folks away, but even the wealthy look at greed sometimes and they lose all ability to kind of dig deep when they see all these dollar bills in front of them and it took a lot of people down we have not heard the last of this folks stay with us news weather sports coming up at the top of the hour and much more at your service with ma dave simons after the break we really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.